Hey there, Pharmacy Podcast listener. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. We are your number one fan of the pharmacist and the pharmacy industry, and we're committed to supporting the next generation pharmacy industry leaders who believe the care of the patient is our number one goal. We have a new educational platform I'd like you to look at and share. It's the first Uber podcasting platform in the pharmacy industry. It's called audiorx.study. Take a look. Go to audiorx.study. And this is a forever learning tool. It's a supplemental learning tool based on listening and based on audio. Solo interviews, panel discussions, uh, podcasts available Hundreds of subjects are going to be developed by P1, P2, P3, P4 students, and then pharmacy industry professionals who understand the very specific subjects that they're talking about. Please take a look. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you think. AudioRx.study. Thank you so much for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Use your time wisely. Learn on the go with AudioRx.study. Check it out. Go to www.audiorx.study and start learning by listening. You're listening. To the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to Occupation Station. I'm Diane Donato. Our guest today, Ina Shaw. She's a 2001 graduate of Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences and is now the Executive Director of Medical Information at AbbVie. Ina, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this discussion. Let's start off by having you tell us a little bit about medical information. It's a topic we haven't really covered a lot before. Is it different than medical communications? And if so, how? Medical information is a department within the industry, and their primary responsibility is to intake questions from consumers and healthcare providers related to the products that the company makes. Questions that come in are usually by phone, and we respond by phone. However, we also get now through innovative channels, questions through live chat, through the internet, and those get responded by written documents, which we call global response documents. The difference between medical information and medical communications is medical communications is more of a broader role. So you may have specific responsibilities related to medical information, but there may be other departments and roles within that, such as publication planning, slide deck development, AMCP dossier development, as well as promotional review. You must have to have a very broad knowledge to be able to do this job. What's the most difficult aspect of medical information? It really depends on the role within medical information. So we have entry-level positions as well as management positions. I would say if for the entry-level positions, one of the differences in industry is recommendations or advice cannot be provided because we're speaking on behalf of the company. We do provide information objective from what is available within our prescribing label, as well as what is publicly available through journal articles, as well as our internal database. So I would say those on the front line, that would probably be something that is difficult. And then as you move up the ranks and you're managing teams, there are cross-functional 
interactions that you would have. So negotiation skills, working as a team is really important. And also there are differences related to whether you are focused on a U.S. space or a global position. And within some global positions, there are certain rules and regulations. And with some countries, you cannot speak to patients based on those rules. So again, those are probably some aspects of the role and function that may be difficult for certain people to grasp. So we talked a little bit about the difficulties, but what about the rewarding aspects of medical information? This is a customer-facing department. So one of the things that's really impactful is the stories that you hear from the patients that we speak to. And in addition to that, also the healthcare providers who call us for certain patients as well as therapy that they need insights and information from. So really hearing some of the impact that we make on the patients is really important, especially during the COVID environment. A lot of the patients were unable to see their doctors, so they really relied on us to provide information on how to take the product appropriately. The other thing is really the cross-functional interactions that we have because we see the different roles that members of the company plays in the development of the drug. And then finally, there are many career growth opportunities within the industry, such as not only medical information, but other aspects such as regulatory, commercial, medical affairs, and then clinical research. I understand you also have a great skill in medical writing. How did you develop that expertise? So definitely um, the PharmD program helped when I was summarizing articles for journal clubs, as well as PowerPoint presentations that I was developing. There are many roles that I had within the industry where medical writing was important, such as in clinical research, as well as currently within medical information, as well as my safety positions, where we were developing adverse event summaries, clinical study reports, as well as documents for to submit to the FDA from safety. In addition to just being an author, as well as having the cross-functional review and feedback from other members within the department, I also, on a more formal basis, enrolled in the American Writers Association and received the certification through that. In addition to just medical writing, I do want to highlight that PowerPoint presentations are really important. And so to have not only the basic knowledge, but also the ability to include some animations and PowerPoints is also very important. I keep hearing from people how important communication skills are in any of these fields, and it sounds like you really branched out. Definitely. I think not only verbal communications are important, but also written communications are also very important because we're speaking to not other only other colleagues, we're speaking to customers. We're also sometimes developing content for our regulatory agencies So again, all forms of communication. And now with advanced technology, we're even learning how to communicate in different methods. Again, through live chat, where we're not summarizing like we would in written correspondence with standard response documents or clinical study reports, but now using small bits of information to communicate up to our to our customers. Writing in all those styles, that takes a lot of skill. It definitely does. But again, there are many different resources available internally within the industry where there are training programs available for the employees. And externally, besides the American Medical Writers Association, I've also joined DIA 
as well as other organizations in which I can enhance some of the skills that I need. We're going to ask you a little bit about your role in clinical development next, but first we're going to take a quick break for a message from Dr. Greg Dewey. What does student-centeredness mean? Isn't every college student-centered? No, every college is not student-centered. There are some colleges that are faculty-centered. There are some colleges that are research-centered. Student-centeredness is not a given, but the student-centeredness is about putting the student first, and that's the lens that you have to have. So if you create a one-stop shop where students can get all their registration and housing and all these things done in one fell swoop, that's student-centered may require more manpower, may not be the most efficient thing, but it's student-centered. I can come in and teach at this high, high level and blow the class away and they won't understand a thing I'm saying. I might feel pretty good about how smart I am, but that's not student-centered. The student-centeredness teaching is getting down to their level, making sure they understand basic concepts before you go forward. It means I have to work harder as a teacher. The student experience is the entire scope of things that happen to them throughout their years in college. It's not just about their classroom work. It's what happens inside the classroom, what happens outside the classroom. It's about the connections they make, it's about the networks they build. It is about their ease of registering for classes or their experience in the with clubs or athletics or how much they like the dining hall. Also about what happens in the lecture hall. So it's the whole spectrum of things. And it's our goal is to make sure they have the best student experience possible that will set them up for successful careers as they go forward. We are back with Ina Shaw on Occupation Station. She's a 2001 graduate of Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences and is now the Executive Director of Medical Information at AbbVie. And we wanted to know a little bit more about your role in clinical development, especially when it comes to phase three and four trials. Clinical research was actually my first role into industry. And it gave me a really great overview of the drug development process. I was working cross-functionally with other departments such as regulatory, marketing, medical affairs, as well well as preclinical and manufacturing. In clinical research, there are two sub-departments. You have clinical science as well as clinical operations, and there are different aspects on the different roles. In clinical science, the focus is really on medical writing, such as tasks such as protocol development, writing of an investigator's brochure, clinical study reports, as well as summarizing adverse events that have been reported. On the clinical operations side, you're focusing more on the administrative aspects of clinical study design, such as study initiation, monitoring, closeout visits, as well as setting up investigators' meetings. So phase three is conduction of large-scale clinical efficacy and safety trials, and the eventual goal is to submit an NDA, which is a new drug application for the product. Once that has been submitted to the FDA or any other regulatory agency, then you would conduct phase four trials, which would be post-marketing trials. Unlike the phase three studies in which you're proving the efficacy and safety, the phase four trials, you're submitting what we call an SNDA or supplemental NDA. And this is really to help our commercial folks market the product in applications and disease states as well as populations different from what you received the phase three approval in. So what specifically were the types of responsibilities you had in that process? So I was actually involved in all aspects of the clinical research. So I had written protocols. 
um, as well as led investigator meetings, as well as provided sales training during the launch of one of the products that I was involved with. And then during phase four, we had a vendor that we worked with. So I also had vendor management oversight as they conducted the trials for us. So I really had a great opportunity and a great overview of the drug development process as I was able to manage a product, not only through NDA submission and the phase three trials, but also following that product to the post-marketing studies and then seeing how those studies are a little bit different from our phase three. And I was also involved not only on the U.S.-based clinical studies, but on the global studies. So I saw how there are differences in the studies that are conducted between the different patient populations within the U.S. as well as ex-U.S. I would guess that being able to do all of that must be very gratifying, if maybe a little stressful. It, it was, but again, one of the things that I think is really great is, for me, I really like to learn all different aspects of the particular role that I'm in. So having the ability to branch out, and there are so many different aspects of a particular department, and having the ability to do that is really satisfying. For the ACPHS students who are interested in a career in pharmacovigilance, what sort of skills would you say they should have? So pharmacovigilance is, again, like clinical research, broken into two sub-departments. One is operations, and then the other one is safety science. So the operations side of it focuses on the intake of adverse events that are reported from consumers and healthcare providers, processing of those adverse events, and then reporting that to the appropriate regulatory authorities. The safety science side is really focused on reviewing all the adverse events that are um, reported into the industry and making an assessment on whether the prescribing information for that product needs to be updated, whether we need to provide a safety communication to the FDA, or just update our safety reports that we chronically provide to the regulatory agencies. So safety is definitely a critical role within the industry because, again, patient safety from whether it's the consumer side of it, the healthcare provider side of it, or even from the industry side of it is important because it can impact the further development of that product. So in order to be effective in this role, critical reasoning is very important. The ability to decipher and follow rules and regulations as it relates to what is an adverse event, how it needs to be reported, and what the appropriate timeline is for the reporting of it is very important, as well as your communication skills because you're either speaking to consumers as well as internally to other departments related to how to process the side effect profile of the product. That sounds like a lot to know how to do. How did ACPHS help you prepare for this career? ACPHS really prepared me for a career within the industry. So I was enrolled in the program through the non-traditional program, and I continued to work. And that was really great because on a personal as well as a financial um, perspective, I was able to continue to learn the basic skills needed as well as clinically complete the didactic portion of the program. And then I did take a year off to complete the clinical rotations. And having the clinical knowledge from the program helped me professionally in many different positions that I had within the company. 
as well as I have experience in many different therapeutic areas, whether it was transplant, cardiovascular, GI, and it's really just the didactic work as well as the clinical rotations that helped me get up to speed very quickly as I progressed through the different roles as well as the different therapeutic areas within the company. Would you have any specific advice you might give to students? Sure. The first thing is really know what it is that you like to do. When I graduated from pharmacy school, I knew that I wanted a career in industry. I didn't know exactly what that role would be, so I was open to any opportunity that I was given. And again, I started out in clinical research, and for me that was great because it gave me a good overview. So I would say be open to opportunities as well as ensure that you know exactly what you want and pursue those opportunities because if you pursue what you like to do, you will be successful. And then the other thing that I would really tell students is in in every job that you have, in every opportunity that you have, there are skills that you develop, um, whether they're soft skills or more transferable skills related to that particular role. And those are very important and you should know what those are so that you can continue to leverage them as you move through your professional career. And um, again, soft skills such as negotiation, communication, whether that's written or verbal is very important. And you should try to leverage those, understand what your strengths are. And I would say expand on those strengths and see what you need to do in order to take those skills to the next level. She's a 2001 graduate of Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences, Ina Shaw. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing some of your insights with other students. I appreciate this opportunity to share my experience. For more information or to schedule a tour, visit acphs.edu. You can tune in to all of our informative stories at acphs.edu forward slash podcast. Each podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeart, giving you the opportunity to listen from a mobile device. Mark Occupation Station as a favorite, and you'll receive push notifications as soon as we publish something new. Occupation Station is also a proud member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, the largest podcast content directory dedicated to the business and profession of pharmacy.